Welcome to Across the Board, Strategic Strength and Conditioning's live video feed and podcast. It is a podcast now. If you guys didn't know, check that out. Um, we are Spotify. Yep, Spotify, all those podcast platforms. Welcome, like I said, we are talking specifically today about fasting. We're on to what, episode 16 now? So we got the ball rolling. We talked already this year about like the end of last year, I should say. We talked about you know how to recap your year. We talked about new goals for this year. A lot of goal setting stuff. We had a very inspirational athlete on last week uh, who suffers from Parkinson's disease and is still freaking killing it in here, crushing the gym. Uh, really good stuff. And we're going to do some follow-up stuff with him as well uh, based off the conversation we've had since then. Um, this week, I want to get back sort of into some goal stuff, uh, not specifically talking about making goals anymore, but what I feel like a lot of athletes uh, – set goals out this year for is some more like physique things. We have a lot of people that want to lose a little bit of weight, Absolutely. but maintain some muscle. And that's why I'm going to do this episode about intermittent fasting and fat or versus prolonged fasting or fasting in general. Um, and some reasons why I do it, some of my beliefs on it. Uh, I want to start real quick and let everybody know I am not a nutritionist. I am not a dietitian. Okay. I do a lot of my own research. I, I have been in this industry for a little while, uh, in the fitness industry. I've had really good success with a lot of my own things, and it, it's based in science. But again, I'm not a scientist. I didn't go to school for this. So the nutrition part of it is like it's almost, I don't want to call it a hobby, uh, but it is something that I really love looking into and diving into. And I, I I do my due diligence and I do my research into different meal plans and things that work and why they work and how, but I cannot prescribe you a diet and any recommendation that I give you is just that, a recommendation, all right? I'm not telling you this is right or wrong. And if I say that along the way that this is right or wrong, I'm telling you right now, I'm wrong there. There is no right or wrong, uh, at least not for me. I can't say that. I don't. I didn't go to school for it and everything. No, I, I mean just, obsessively shoving Big Macs down your throat is wrong. Yeah, that's I wrong. Sorry, don't need to be a dietitian for that. Uh, unless you do it with intermittent fasting, then no, I'm kidding. There's, it's wrong. Okay, so just wanted to start there and let you guys know that I am not a dietitian. I can't prescribe you anything. Don't be like this guy said that this is the right thing. Blah blah. blah. Maybe it is. Maybe it isn't. But I'm going to give you a lot of information, the things that I've learned, and why I use this uh, this methodology. Uh, and how I've as adapted my methodology because I didn't always do this and I didn't always necessarily, it's not that I didn't believe in it, but I didn't think that it would work for some of the things that I do here and for things in my life. Um, so yeah, I definitely wanted to start there. Let everybody know that. Yeah, well, without further ado, let's hop into it. Intermittent fasting. Good stuff. Uh, so what is entailed in intermittent fasting? For those of, for those of you who haven't, or those of us who have not, uh, been on the internet and seen all these advertisements for it. So let me start by saying I think that what people's idea of intermittent fasting is and what we're actually trying to accomplish are a little bit off from each other. Um, I think a lot of people when they hear intermittent fasting and they hear eating windows and stuff like that they feel like they can't have any food in the morning and things like that, and then they have to stop eating by this time and blah, 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 blah. Ideally, when we're just starting to talk about fasting, 
I'm trying to get the somebody into a 12 and 12 split. All right, 12 hours with your metabolism running and 12 hours of rest. The reason why is because most people schedule kind of looks like this. They make get up, at the, I have an athlete actually that just talked to me about this. Get up, go to the gym in the morning, don't want to eat anything, get sick in the CrossFit workout, so they'll do a protein shake right after. So they do a 5 a.m. workout, 6 a.m. comes, they're eating, they're drinking that protein shake, 7 a.m. breakfast, 9 a.m. another snack, they eat lunch at, at one, then they snack on some other stuff, then they go home, they eat something, then they have dinner, 6.30, and then snack again at nine, and blah, blah. And they're even though they sleep, and they get a good amount of sleep, they give themselves their, their eight hours of sleep, that's the only time where their, their, their metabolism is off. And if you've got all that food kind of backing up in your system from eating all day, like your body doesn't digest nearly as fast as what some people think. Like I know sometimes we eat some corn and then later we see it. But that doesn't mean that you processed all of the nutrients and everything and it didn't just run right through you and stuff like that. That's just not how things go. So we've got a lot of backup of food in there. Our metabolism is, is going nonstop. And a lot of times when we eat that way, we're not even really getting into any sort of a fast. Your body is like still trying to digest that food, especially if you eat right before bed, still kind of moving and trying to digest that food. What we're trying to do with intermittent fasting is not necessarily have a point where there's no food in the system, but we want to give our digestive tract a break. Okay, and that's really what we're trying to accomplish. And again, ideally we'd get further, like, and you have more time with our metabolism resting than working. But starting off, if you if you have been like, you know, maybe seven, eight hours is the only time that your metabolism has had nothing going through it, and that's specifically when you're sleeping, then just by adding a few more hours of that and giving it more time to kind of get that food digested, process those meals, I think has great physiological uh, side benefits to it. So when we're talking intermittent fasting, I'm not even getting into the 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 four hour eating window or eight hour eating window and stuff. And I am going to talk a little bit about that in a, in a minute. But what I believe uh, where intermittent fasting starts is just getting it 12 and 12 split the day. We've got 24 hours in a day, 12 hours, your metabolism's on, 12 hours it's off. While we're on this point, I just want to point out some things real quick that turn your metabolism on as well, because I don't know if people quite understand. Yeah, what are the common pitfalls when people are going into intermittent fasting? I wouldn't call this a pitfall, but there's just some things to think about, and I'm specifically talking today about food and eating windows, but if we're really talking about true intermittent fasting, okay, we're talking about your, again, when your metabolic, uh, when your metabolism is on and off. Anything that you put in your system aside from water will create a chemical reaction in your stomach and will turn your metabolism off. That includes coffee. So if you're one of those people that's like, oh, I'm intermittent Coffee's fasting included. and I'm in a, I only eat in a three hour window and stuff. So my metabolism is only on for three hours. Well, sure. If you have coffee at three o'clock in the afternoon and then you're done eating by six o'clock in the afternoon or six o'clock PM, then sure, you're 100% right. But if you get up at 7 AM, then have your coffee at nine and you drink a bunch of water and stuff, guess what? your metabolism is still on, okay? That doesn't, that's not necessarily a bad thing. So right? wait, wait, wait. 
is water one of the things that can kick your metabolism on? No. Okay. No. Water will definitely drink a lot of water, guys. Water is something that will enhance your metabolism's ability to do its job, but is not going to kick it on the way that like coffee or something that needs to be processed through your body will. Uh, same so thing with like medications. If you take a medication when you first get up in the morning, metabolism's on. Okay, and I'm not saying not to take your medication in the morning, guys. If you have to take your meds, and take your meds, but understand how that's where your window starts. You know what I mean? You have to kind of look at that that way. So when I talk about the 12-hour window, I want 12 hours from coffee, and this is just food. I want 12 hours from coffee or anything in my system to when I stop eating. All right, so that's why I've started to drink my coffee closer to like 8, 9 a.m., and I don't come in and go and drink coffee right away in the morning. Once I found that out, I was like, nope, I want to keep that off, especially because another thing that turns on your metabolism or can turn on your metabolism is light, and most specifically, daylight, sunlight. Yeah. I know, right? That causes problems. Mm, yes and no. Now, I'm not saying that it that just because you see the sun right off the bat and, and stuff like that, that... Yeah. yeah, I'm not saying that just because you get up and you see the sunlight and everything that that's it. You've got to start. That's your eating window. You're in it and stuff like that. We're still going to talk about keeping food to a window, okay? But just understand that that is another area where, surprise, surprise, our metabolism does actually turn on from sunlight because what do we get from sun? Vitamin D. Vitamin D. All right, so we are processing something just by stepping out and being out in the sun or, or having it creep in on us. Our body will start to process that and do certain things. Because, again, we're not supposed to be nocturnal animals. We're supposed to be awake in the daytime. So that's kind of like when sunlight hits us, it's like, boop, starts a chain reaction. Our metabolism turns on. We wake up naturally. If you go camping in the woods, I've said this multiple times, you go camping for three, four days. By the end of the first day, you're already starting to feel it. By the, by the second day, that evening when the sun goes down, you're tired. The next day you will wake up in a tent or not in a tent. You will wake up when the sun comes up. You'll feel fine and you will be tired when the sun goes down and want to go to bed unless you're drinking and partying, in which case that goes the other way. But if you're just out, like what I used to do with some of my buddies in the army and we just needed to deload and reset, go in the woods, no booze, a little bit of food and stuff. We'd go out, walk out, camp here, camp there, camp there. And by the end of it, back on track. Everything is good to go. I'm falling asleep. I'm tired when the sun goes down. I'm awake when the sun comes up. Your metabolism creates a lot of that, uh, that, that, that response to our environment because, again, in here, this is our gut. This is sort of like our, um, our guide through what we're supposed to be doing. And I know everybody thinks the brain is and stuff, but more and more research is coming out and proving that our stomach is actually our roadmap to to success, our stomach is what kind of tells us where we need to go and how we need to react to things. Stuff. So when we get hangry or this or sad or tired, it's not usually as much a neurological issue as it is a gut issue. And the bacteria in our gut not being appropriate, not releasing the right chemicals to have us react, X, Y, Z. Okay. So again, some of this is a little bit more scientific and some of you guys might be like, what the heck is he talking about? Do your due diligence, do your research on it, check into this stuff. I'm kind of breezing over the more like sciencey parts of this to get into the, the meat and potatoes. But 
sunlight and coffee can turn on your metabolism, those are some things that can actually switch things on. So if you can, if you can, maybe hold off on the coffee a little while later if you have a very long day or if you're like me and you like to eat later at night. Like for instance, I end my fasting window at nine o'clock at night. Nine o'clock at night generally is where I'm done eating and my wife has even seen it. Coach Elise, by the way, my beautiful co-host, I never even announced her here. Coach Elise uh, is also my wife, if you guys didn't know. You know, lucky me. But uh, she sees it um, all the time. She'll go and start making something and like wants a snack and I'm like, ah, time is it? No, it's too late, I'm gonna be up. And I know that once I get to bed and everything, I'll be fine. So I just kind of cut that out a lot of time. So well, we've talked about foods that you the, the things that you should avoid when you're outside of the window. What about in the window? What can you eat on intermittent fasting when you're within your window? When you're within that eating window, um, no matter what you're doing, I still think that your best bet for for any sort of of meal plan revolves around real like real meat or fish or poultry as your protein source. Um, not a plant-based source, but if that if you're a vegan or vegetarian, then do what you gotta do. Uh, I support you, you know, as long as you're doing it right and healthy. Try to get some shellfish in because, guys, if you didn't know, I know I'm going off a tangent here real quick. If you didn't know, plants feel things, they do. If you hurt a plant, they like send out signals, they like scream and stuff, they're afraid of you. Shellfish do not. Literally, they're like designed to be devoured. They're okay with it. They're like, I have no nerves, no brain, no nothing. Just eat me. They don't care. They don't care. They don't feel it. You can cut half one off and it's like, I'm just going to become too shellfish now. I don't know if that's actually how it works. But they don't have feeling. Plants do. So if you're one of those people that's like, oh, I won't eat shellfish because it's hurting the poor little clam. No, you're hurting the spinach. You're hurting your spinach. You're not hurting the clam. That being said. Um, I think that no matter what, your best bet, your best bet for food is solid source of protein, uh, animal-based, something with a face, okay? Uh, I differ from some people here, lots of fruit. I think a lot of fruit is important, um, especially when you're doing intermittent fasting, and I'll explain a little bit more why. Um, and obviously, vegetables, eat them up. And with the carbs, try to limit a little bit of those grainy carbs and stuff like that the rices the breads the pastas and things like that and if you are still using some of those like i do because i like them and i'll explain why i can still use them this fasting thing but if you are still using them try to find some cleaner versions and cleaner options instead of the craft box mac and cheese maybe get some good pasta make your own and do that stuff right and properly um, again if any food out there bothers your stomach you know it does don't touch it. Like um, tomato sauce really messes with me for like two or three days after. So it's not like I don't eat it, but I wait, I make way less things with red sauces. If you're lactose intolerant and cheese and stuff, you know it's one of those things that kind of triggers a reaction in your stomach. Maybe don't touch that for a little while. All right. So basically the same as I would recommend anyone else, excuse me, anybody else, stay away from the Cheetos and the prepackaged food and eat real food, whole foods from the edges of the aisles. Same, same thing. However, cool benefit of fasting. When you get to that point where your body is kind of 
reset and back on track. And it's processing that food well. And you're leaning out, but you're still building muscle. All, all those good things. You're getting those good reactions in intermittent fasting, uh, that intermittent fasting for free. It creates a situation, and you've now seen me do this over the last couple of months, where maybe you don't have to be so stressed on eating super, super healthy all of the time. That falls into the 80-20 rule. Eat, eat good 80% of the time, save 20% for the foods that you like. Keep it within, like, you know, keep it within normal limits. Don't yeah. be taking out a whole package of Oreos, throwing that 20%. Maybe have like four with some milk. Yep. And I like I am not great at the 80-20 rule. Um, my, my wife has seen it for a long time now. Uh, but I found that even with the, the fasting thing, it makes it a lot easier to kind of subscribe to that methodology. Uh, you don't feel quite as bad when you eat something that is outside because you're like, well, I'm not going to eat for another 12 hours. So it's okay that I'm having a peanut butter and fluff sandwich and reminding myself of my childhood and stuff like that. That is not nearly as detrimental to your psyche as when you're eating six times a day and you've got to get all these meals and stuff. And I can tell you from experience that I've had that happen where like I'm eating five times a day and doing the supplements, the protein shake and blah, blah, blah. And I'm on this thing and she's seen me really regimented with my stuff. And then what happened every single time I got off one day, the next morning I oh, felt crap. all floating and crappy. And for like two or three days, I'm like, I got to work off this pizza and stuff. Now, what happens when I take it for a day or two sometimes? Not bad. Not bad. I wake up and see more abs half the time. I'm like, look where this came from. Um, Your body's going to become very, very efficient. Hold on one second. You're very, very efficient at digesting its food um, when, you, when you get used to doing something like this. Okay. So, uh, different diets are right for different kinds of people. Mm -hmm. uh, we've seen that time and time again, going through all the different diets that we have, paleo, Whole30, uh, vertical diet, things like that. Who do you think intermittent fasting works for the best? Probably 80 to 90% of athletes that train at this gym. Okay, and really for the for rest of general population, and that's that's my gym is based around a general like we consider ourselves a gen pop gym. We're not looking for competitive athletes; we're looking for just the getting people healthier and fitter. Um, and again, I can't say that this is the right diet for you. Okay, there might be reasons that I don't know like it won't work for you and stuff. However, I think that for most general population, which if you're not a CrossFit Games athlete nationally ranked Olympic weightlifter and you're just not you're not chasing that iron bug and powerlifting or obstacle course racing trying to get onto the world thing and stuff like that um, you're gen pop if you spend most of your working time at a day job or dealing with with your kids at home as a stay-at-home mom or dad or anything like that general population it's really easy if you want to know if you're a professional athlete or not ask yourself do you get paid to train no, probably not a professional athlete. Do you work your butt off more than you do at anything else throughout your day so that you can train? Are you always like finding times to do like Instagram posts, things like that, constantly looking up all your stuff, eating right, recovering right, all that stuff in the gym, two hours here, another hour and a half there doing accessory work at home? Are you doing all of that while working your day job? Then no, you're not heading towards being that professional athlete. 
your general population, all right? If you come in here, work out an hour a day, three to five days a week, you've got your answer, you're gen pop, you're like the rest of us. If you're doing less than that, you're definitely general population. You don't need to do a bodybuilding, an elite bodybuilder's meal plan or elite weightlifter's meal plan or what Rich Froning or Matt Frazier or Katrin Davis are doing for elite CrossFit. Don't need it, okay? General population is the majority of us, the 99% or 98% of people that don't go to that next level or aren't really doing the work to get there, even if they're not there yet, okay? So I think that pretty much anybody could do well with something like this. And I've got some reasons why. Okay, let's hear them. One of my biggest ones, guys, and this is something that I've preached a little bit. I was, something that someone said really impacted me profoundly. And I got to find this guy's name. Um, he's a doctor. He does a lot of like, he started with like gut health and stuff like that. And then got into like anti-aging and, and stuff like that. Um, and I was watching a Joe Rogan podcast with this guy on, and he was talking specifically about this. And he said something that just blew my mind. We as a species, if you believe in evolution, all right, are, we'll say 120 million years old, okay? And if you don't believe in evolution, then we're like, what, 10,000 years old or something like that. We're talking like through the Bible. But regardless of what you believe, we've been around a lot longer than the last 50 years where the way that we eat 50 to 100 years or so where the way that we eat kind of got settled in. Um, and realistically, if you look back to when we were trying to survive and thrive out in the wild, and I'm going to go back, I'm going to use the evolutionary standard. All right. 80 million years ago, when we were running around from dangerous things that were, that were out there and not necessarily living in caves, what we were we were coming together as our communities for the first time and stuff like that, hunter-gatherer groups. We would go days sometimes without food. All right. If that is not not just like something that a species can do, but doesn't have some sort of physiological benefit to you, that species will not survive. Okay, I will say this again. If going days without food did not have a physiological benefit to the human race, it most likely would not have survived and thrived. Can't stress that enough. It's not like there was this, then yes, in time there were pockets of civilizations that they had some prosper and stuff and there was, there, they had, maybe they set themselves, some civilizations set themselves up around uh, you know, where there was more plentiful food and stuff like that. Like that's where most civilizations will build where they can, especially back then, they're going to build around areas where you can get more food. Even look here in America, how we're, our cities and stuff are built on the East Coast in the oldest part of the country. Um, we like, we built them around places where we had like fishing ports and things like that's where things, things build around food because people need food and shelter to survive. Okay. So, and even in those civilizations back in, in time, they still had like, if they lived off a certain type of fruit and there was some sort of plague that hit that fruit and it all died off, then they're going to be hurting for a little while. So again, 
if there's not something, and I don't know what that physiological side benefit totally is, I'm starting to see it in myself and in some of my own research, I'm starting to see some of the, the benefits of fasting and things that can come with it, but I just can't sit here and tell you that, yes, we're supposed to eat four or five times a day, because if we were, we would have already been doing it. Like cows eat all day, and that hasn't changed. It's from like, if you go back to their ancestors, the oxen or whatever the cows were bred from, they're gonna be eating all day. Right, so we would have been doing the same. We would have had, uh, like, there would have been way less of us, first off, and we would have been set up for that. And this is like a new luxury to be able to eat the amount of times a day that we do and to go days, you know, never go days without eating. The fact that people never take a day or two off and they're like, oh, I'm so hungry, I'm starving. Crazy. Like, we can go 30 days without food. 30 days without food. We need water every day. We need water, but we don't need as much food. And there has to be something to that. So that's sort of where my, my whole, like that really like smacked me upside the head and was like, this has got to be right for people. Because this is how we not only survived, but thrived for millennia, for, for a long, long time, guys. Like really the, the idea of getting up and eating breakfast in the morning and then lunch in the afternoon and dinner in the evening I'm not going to say that that's extremely Western, but it kind of is. And Western culture didn't start doing that even there until probably like, well, you know a little bit more about Western history. You're, you're, you're big into it much more than I am. So like, like when do you think that we probably started going down this road? Repeating every day? Yeah, probably when we got out of like hunter-gatherer type communities. And again, more specific to Western culture, because a lot of times like we were like farming and stuff like that, we would get up and have to do all that work through the day. So we'd get up and break our fast, you know, eat something in the morning, get a big meal in and then go through the day and maybe get a break and stuff because we're out plowing fields and stuff like that. But, you know, like before that, I would say, you know, even going back as far into like biblical times and stuff like that. We, we, there's, there's fasting in almost every single religion. There's a lot of religions that don't eat anything until certain times a day that take long periods of time where they don't have any food and stuff like that. Again, one of those things that pops up across the board in, in, in so many religions is fasting. And if it keeps popping up kind of in this one and that one and this one and that one, well, then maybe there's a reason why it's there. Maybe older culture is not knowing the science behind it because they can't break things down in the microscope and everything in Bunsen's and Beakers, but they at least saw the some sort of benefits and made it a rule or a law something. And I'm, I'm not trying to rip on religions or anything and stuff because I don't understand them nearly as much as some of you may. But again, there's so many things that point to this is something that you should be doing. All right. And eating a million times a day is not something so that's where I kind of get my belief in the methodology. I really believe that, uh, and I may be wrong. I, I could come back in a couple of years or a couple of weeks even and be like, oh, I found something else that is even more primal and blah, blah, blah. But I think that a lot of the answers to how we're supposed to live and kind of fix a lot of these things are in our past, not as much in our future and stuff. And we got to get sort of back to that a little bit. Okay. Uh, so there, uh, commonly you find online that there are different lengths I've seen a lot of uh, beginner, intermediate, advanced, pro 
kind of setups for intermittent fasting. So what are the different lights and are there benefits to doing the different lights? Yes. Now, first thing I need to separate out intermittent fasting and prolonged fasting. Okay. Intermittent fasting means that you're still eating pretty much every day. All right. A prolonged fast, I consider a prolonged fast anything over 24 hours. Um, I recommend most people, if they're going to do a prolonged fast, do something that's closer to like two or three days long to start. Very difficult when you're first starting, especially if you're used to eating every day. And it's definitely easier to do it if you're already doing intermittent fasting and in a shorter eating window. All right. But right there, we're not talking prolonged fasting quite yet. We'll get into some benefits of those as well, but we're specifically talking intermittent fasting. So when we're intermittent fasting, like I said, the beginners and where I like to start people, 12 on, 12 off. All right. So, and I, I'm talking food and I'm not even looking into the coffee end and this and that. That's as you start to get more advanced, you start to look at, okay, when do I have my coffee? When do I let sunlight touch me? And all these things when you're getting, again, more honed in and more specific because you're getting better at it. But starting people off, I think just if you know that you want to eat something at nine o'clock at night, every single night, and that's when you're, that's when you're done eating, you're finishing your your nighttime snack at like 9, 9.30, then from when you finish that last meal on average, your next meal needs to start, or excuse me, your first meal should be 12 hours before that. Does that make sense? So say I'm finishing at 9.30 at night, that means I'm not eating my first meal until probably 9.30, 10 o'clock in the morning on average. Other benefits okay. to the shorter windows? Definitely benefits to the shorter window. We want you to get sort of used to that window first and, and stuff and get used to get your metabolism, you know, firing on all cylinders and getting its break so you can sort of see how the recovery works. But the shorter that window is, that means the less time that your body has food in it and the more time your metabolism can actually rest at that point. On top of that, when we get that shorter window, there are some, there's a lot of science that suggests that we can get like growth hormone spikes and things like that. And I have some theories on like what hangry is. Uh, I, I'm That's, not a scientist again, but I have some theories on what hangry is and how to kind of deal with that based off of that and working towards getting myself to that shorter window. Because I did kind of start closer to that, you know, 10, 12 hour window and stuff. I was eating, when I started to get into this, I was eating basically around like 10 a.m and then stopping eating around 10 p.m. And then as I got better and I started to see results, I was like, oh, I'll push a little longer. I did some things and moved some things. And that, then it went to noon and then it went to two. And now I don't usually eat till three or four in the afternoon and I'm done eating by like, you know, eight, nine at night for the most part. My window is four to five hours of eating. Um, and I did the, the longer that I've gotten, uh, the, the better that I've gotten at that, the better that I felt. It is crazy. And stuff. So. There's definitely some benefits. The biggest one, obviously, to the shorter window is, again, less time that your metabolism is running, more time for rest. And think of it this way in the terms of, like, building your shoulders, okay? You're not going to sit there. If you want to get jacked, you're not going to do push-ups for, you know, if you want to get, like, a huge chest and big bench, you're not going to sit there and do push-ups, you know, 17 hours a day or 16 hours a day and rest for eight. No, you're going to do push-ups in chest workouts for like an hour 
and I'm not, you wouldn't even do that daily. Most people would do a chest day and tricep day or something like that, an old global gym style or a bunch of push-ups and body weight stuff. And then they're going to take like a week off. But we don't think of our metabolism that same way. And it does recover faster than our muscular system, but it still needs that break. So if you would give your body a longer break and see the benefit of it, obviously giving your metabolism a little bit more of a break is going to yield more benefit. Okay. So we have spoken a lot about the benefits of intermittent fasting. Um, what are the cons to it for those who are looking into it and are really looking to weigh it out before starting? Cons, cons, cons. So um, the number one thing, and I'm glad that we just kind of hit on it there, the number one con that I see is the hangry thing. Um, some people just feel, oh, you've just been so uh, adapted to eating, so like these times a day, when you don't get that food in, your body's like, hey, I need that food, because we're in homeostasis, we're used to getting it there, so something kicks on, is like, this is when I'm supposed to do something, and then we start to get frustrated, and we're, we're thinking about the food. So we have to take a little bit of time to rewire how we think, and I consider that a con, I, I don't consider that a personal con, because I'm all about personal and, and self-growth, and learning more about myself and getting better and, and meditating on this and finding like why is this happening in me and my mind and stuff like that but most people don't have the time to be like that most people are just not wired to do that very few people will actually like even say sorry even when they know they're wrong about something so to take the time to like dive in and be like why am i hungry why am i angry so most people won't do that so i think that's a big con to it you are going to have to rewire your thought process for a little bit and change habits. And changing habits is very difficult, okay? You can't really get rid of a habit. You can only sort of replace it with another habit. You'll always have that bad habit there if you have one. And it's always gonna be right there waiting for you to like jump you back on that, that bad wagon and stuff. So there's some of that. Also, if athletes kind of go about this wrong and kind of starve themselves a little bit too much, um, you're going to see maybe an increase of belly fat while everything else leans out. Uh, you can see that as well. Uh, and that's adverse. That, that's a sign that things aren't going the way that you want them to go. Uh, another one of the cons that you could see, possibly some diminished performance, depending on what you're doing. There is no way I have... I, we were talking before the show, I pulled up some old pictures of back when I was squatting um, in the 400 and deadlifting close to five. And I thought that I looked really, really good there and was leaning out. And I definitely was not, I was, I looked okay for what I was doing and stuff. And I was okay with it then. And I'm not, not saying I look bad, but now that I know like where I could have gotten and stuff with that, just kind of changed my mind on some of those things. Um, but there's, no way that I'm going to go and hit those numbers now. Even if I was maintaining my training, my body weight has come down significantly. I went from 215 back in, uh, back in basically one year ago. I was around 215 pounds. And right now I weigh about 161, which is not where I want to be, but I'm not training right now. That's about to start ramping up and I'm going to get back to like 175. Okay. You can't expect to hold those numbers there. It just doesn't happen. I've dropped way too much weight, and I might be able to build back up to that, but now my ceiling just went lower because of my weight. That being said, 
the other side of the coin, I don't feel so bad when I go for a run. It's not as hard on my joints, and just getting up and moving around, it's become much easier because of the loss of weight. But you may see some dips in some energy, especially if you're like a CrossFitter, but that's where fueling your system properly comes into play. When I'm talking about eating and fasting, I'm not talking about eating necessarily less food unless you have a problem with eating too much food. I don't think most of my clients do. I just think they don't eat their foods in the right time. I don't even know if it's a problem of the right food. I've got so many people that eat well and eat better than 99% of the population and they're still just not getting that result. Why? Why is that? They're still eating good foods and some people would be like, oh, you need to do blood tests. You need to see what your food allergy is. You need to do, why don't you just stop eating 16, eating all that good food through seven meals through 16 hours a day and just have a couple big meals, two or three big meals. Most of us love like when we get that opportunity on Thanksgiving to pig out and smash a whole bunch of food, we take that. Freaking Thanksgiving every night then. One big meal. Fill up, get the carb coma, whatever, rack out. Stop eating an hour and a half before bed, by the way. I'll get into that in a second. But um, but yeah, uh, I, I really think that that is some of the big pitfalls. Ooh, we have a question. We do. From uh, eating before your workout. What are your thoughts on eating before a workout? So check this out. Um, if you are, if you're working out way late in the day, you know, at some point you're going to have to, and you work through a whole day and you're coming to my like 5.45 or 7 p.m. class, you're probably going to need to fuel something if, if you're not just waking up all of a sudden there. Okay. By the way, who was that question from? Thank you, Jonathan. Jonathan? John. What's up, bud? Didn't I just answer this question for you? All right. So <laughs> if you're eating, uh, if you're coming in later in the day, you're going to have to probably eat something. But if you're training in the morning, like John does more often than not, um, I think there's a lot of benefit to training while fasting, especially because the CrossFit stuff we, we do here, like I'm not gonna say we do more cardio and everything, but we only have three days that are strength building days and everything else is metabolic conditioning. And we have a Metcon every day. Uh, they're just shorter on the strength days and stuff uh, within like a seven to 12 minute window. A lot of them. So I think that basically doing fasting cardio uh, is, is what you're essentially doing, or just just working out while fasting. Uh, there's a lot of research that shows that that actually creates a growth hormone spike. Okay. Fasting. Fasting. Okay. Okay. Furthermore, if you want to talk about and dive into maybe the whys and hows, go back in time again. 80 million years ago, 120 million years ago, we'll assume that there was a saber-toothed tiger there. I'm not good with dates. Bear with me, okay? When's your birthday again? I'm kidding, I know. It's January 28th or something like that. But uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I know when her birthday is. Um, but I'm not great with dates and stuff. But let's say that, boom, 80 million years ago, we're out hunting. It's me and Coach Elise, because she's a, a badass, so she's out with the hunters. She's not back gathering and dealing with kids. She's out with me, all right? We're out, spears in hand, looking around and stuff. Uh, we've been out for a day and a half. We're hyper-focused, not hangry. Get into that in a second, okay? And everything is firing on all cylinders. And then all of a sudden, <gasps> saber-tooth tiger <laughs> pops up and we flip shit. We're running and stuff and we're fighting this thing off with spears and everything. That's hard work. If you never fought with a spear, you wouldn't know. But trust me, it's hard. 
okay? Fuel sticks are similar, so that's kind of how we know. Um, you know, that's a big-ass cat right there that's trying to maul you up and everything, and then you get away from it, you wound it, you run away and everything. Your heart rate is jacked. There's just half an hour running from the saber-toothed tiger and fighting it off, right? We still have no food. Still haven't found it. Hopefully we hurt that cat bad enough that we can just go back and just finish it off and stuff. But even if we do, we're not going to sit there and eat part of it there because we're out for our tribe. Fasting. We just did extreme, intense, basically a CrossFit workout on steroids. Because again, when we're training CrossFit, it's just prepare ourselves for worst case life scenarios, right? We just did a gnarly CrossFit workout on a day of no food survived it now we're carrying this dead cat that weighs like 400 pounds back between the two of us all the way back to the village you know what i mean not only do we not need to eat right before but we don't need to eat right after this whole idea like oh your body's catabolic and anabolic and you need to get protein in right away if you're looking to maintain the muscle mass that you have and get the best recovery and all that stuff because you're going to the crossfit games maybe but for most of us now, and we're doing intermittent fasting, not prolonged fasting like us cave people just were, okay, uh, we still have some food in the body to kind of use as fuel. And if anything, by working out while you're fasting, you're just going to get your body to reach into that and process that fuel a little bit faster. So John comes in most of the time at 9 a.m. I would say don't. Now, he's a firefighter, so he's got weird schedules. But let's just say, for the sake of this argument or the sake of this conversation, that he's not. Or he's got a very set schedule. He sleeps his eight hours. He doesn't do crazy 24-hour long shifts and stuff like that. I know, not normal firefighter stuff, but let's just break, break this down. You get somebody who comes in, you know, 9 a.m., that's where you do your workout. If you finish eating, like I said, at 9 p.m. at night, then maybe you would put something in your system there. But ideally, I would still try to wait until like maybe about, you know, noon or something like that. Let everything kind of come down and calm down first and get your body to, boom, release that little bit of growth hormone that it needs afterwards. Because after something like that, our body's going to have a lot of really neat chemical reactions because what's essentially happening in your body after a nasty CrossFit workout with nothing in your system your body is trying to learn right there and it's trying mm -hmm. to recover right there and do everything that it has in itself to do just that. And we are recovery adaptation factory. Our bodies are incredible and amazing at doing just that. So. Well, I also know that um, from my being into history um, that a lot of a lot of tribes a lot of the time used to do things like after the kill uh eat a piece of it immediately after so uh don't you think that kind of leads into the reason why we now um go after telling people to uh take protein in within 30 minutes do you think that was an adaptation that was taken from doing that i don't um so i i do I do understand what you're what you're saying and with the that tribal thing and I've thought and kind of questioned that too and I don't know again I don't know it's just there's not not every tribe had that exact same situation you know what I mean and a lot of time when you look back at it like I know that they were like 
going after the heart and stuff like that. And there's a lot of like, you know, the very nutritious part of the animal and, and all that stuff. Um, and yes, if they were out on like long, way prolonged hunts and stuff, there are a number of those situations where tribes would actually break down and like break down parts of the animal there and, and eat themselves because they need to get back and everything like that. So a lot of that sort of will kind of change from tribe to tribe, to group to group, situation to situation. But I don't think that that part clicked in quite yet. That, oh, I just did all this extreme exercise. I need to eat something now. I think we were more in tune with our gut health back then. And we knew when we were on that brink of like, I need to eat something now versus I just want to. Or in the case of what you're talking about with like people that would like cut open and eat the heart and share like the heart and stuff like that. Um, a lot of those were more ritualistic than anything. Uh, now, again, somebody could jump on here and, and be like, no, 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 I did some research and that, that wasn't, but I don't think that ties into it quite as much. I still think that, because again, we didn't always, just because uh, we chased something down and tried to kill it didn't mean that we got it. Yep. You know what I mean? And sometimes we went back empty handed and we showed up and hey, somebody else killed something, so we're gonna eat their food tonight and stuff like that. So there's not always those situations and people are still getting physiological benefit from doing some extreme intense exercise. Like again, if we don't kill that saber tooth tiger, we don't have anything to eat from it. We still gotta get back though, and we would probably get back. You know, we wouldn't be looking right away for food. We're actually trying to learn what paths that we took and everything, and our brain is like hyper-wired at that point, trying to figure out what we did to get away and where that cave is so we never go back to it because there's a tiger over there, and it's gonna be watching us when we're in its area of operation. Does that make sense? So that's not, I'm not disagreeing with it. It could definitely be it's a good sound theory, but um, I just don't, I, I think that there's just too many variables. I don't think that was something that kind of led to that. Okay. So uh, in summary, uh, what do we got on intermittent fasting? Uh, good for you. Try to eat in a 12 hour window. If you're starting new to this thing, um, try to get your food again into a 12 hour window. So again, look at where the last thing is that you on average eat and when you finish that when you from when you finish 12 hours before is where you start okay and that's where your first meal is and then from there see if you can walk it in closer to an eight hour window all right and then from there as you get better you might be able to do a four hour window stuff like that all right and the smaller that window the less meals that you need to eat i like it actually because again i like big meals so I eat roughly the same amount of food, but I do it in like two big meals. And I never feel bad about getting second, going and, and you, know, you know, I'm all down two or three plates of a pot roast or something really good that I made. Uh, I made a bunch of steak. I have mine, my serving, steak, rice, vegetables. I'm loading back up on that again and getting more food in that way and stuff because I'm still eating the same amount of food. Uh, another big thing to summarize up on this thing, uh, uh, I shouldn't say to summarize up that I want to hit up is hangry. We touched on it briefly real quick. I just want to tell you guys right now, you're not angry. You're not angry. Okay. What you are is you're fighting your physiology. You're fighting to like, you, you just have it wired in your head that you have to eat something now. And what your body's actually telling you is not that you need to eat. It's telling you that you need to do the work that gets the food. So rewire what you have in front of you as the hunt. Start thinking of it that way. And instead of being mad that you're not eating at the time that you want to eat, 
Instead, you're going to be like super focused into what you're doing. You're going to do a great job at it because that's really what we are when we're hangry. That's our body saying we're hungry. Okay. And we need to now go on that hunt that I talked about earlier. Okay. And when you're hunting, you know, as a hunter, how focused are you? You're not out there eating little candy bars and stuff like that. You're watching. You're not doing anything that can make any noise. You're moving through the woods as quietly as possible and stuff. And imagine if you had a bunch of hangry Neanderthals stomping around in the woods, just bickering at each other because they didn't eat a, a, a leg in time or something, or eat, get nuts or something like that that morning. Like, you're probably not going to be a very successful civilization of people. Probably going to die off, right? No, you're out there. You're focused. You're into it. And more often than not, if people start, like, if they just reset, like, I'm hungry right now, and give themselves a task, they forget they're hungry. People, like, I can't tell you how many times with, with my wife or I that we come to each other and we're like, hey, I got food. And I'm like, I just got to finish this thing. Or she's like, I'm just getting through this. And then two hours later, still doing it. But five minutes before, she or I were just complaining about being hungry. But we got into something, and then it just went. So hangry doesn't really exist. You create hangry by not giving yourself something else to do once you realize, oh, this is where I usually get food, my body's starting to tell me, you know, I'm running low on fuel and everything, I need to start. Keep running low. You're trying to burn body fat. Let it use its own fuel. It's in there, okay? And at the same time, let that, let all those positive physiological uh, side effects that happen in the, the gut move their way up to the brain and everything to get you focused on your job and when you're dead. All right, so I, I wanted to make sure that I got that point in and get it across. Hangry doesn't exist, doesn't exist, doesn't exist. If you're hangry and that's why you snapped on somebody, it's not because you didn't eat. It's because you're an a-hole and you don't check yourself. End of story. Okay? Good stuff? Good stuff. Good enough. That's our thing on fasting today. Again, remember, we taught intermittent fasting, not prolonged fasting. Prolonged fasting will be something for another day, and there's a bunch of benefits to prolonged fasting as well. Not good for everybody, again, but I think that if you want to try something like that, we'll talk. Uh, intermittent fasting, we're still eating at least once every day, at least once. Prolonged fasting, 24 hours plus without food. Clear? Yeah. By the way, breaking the fast. Didn't cover this. Breaking your intermittent fasting, okay? There's a lot of things that, are, that say, okay, high protein, high fat, low carb, blah, 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 blah. I don't, I just don't care what you break your fast with at first. Um, I don't think that you need to be drinking bulletproof coffees if that's not your jam. And I do straight black coffee. I don't do any fat in it and all this. I'm not trying to be a fat adapted athlete uh, at all, at all with fasting. I'm just trying to clean up my gut health and get my metabolism firing a little bit more on all cylinders. Um, so just to be clear, I do fasting a little bit differently than what uh, some people will recommend. I do want to shout out to a very good and close friend of mine, uh, Coach Jerry Levante. He's an awesome dude. You can um, see him at one of our, our friends' gyms. He's training people over at uh, CrossFit East Providence. He is a wealth of knowledge in, um, in fasting and intermittent fasting. He taught me a lot and got me kind of turned on to the subject. I've dabbled in it throughout years. I've heard about it way back when I was in the military, and obviously, I, through being in the military, I've experienced some fasting, not always by never by choice but um but yeah so i've seen some of that there so some of that made sense but i never really looked at it as something that could 
get me to a certain place, especially because all my goals were so competitive and everything. And I didn't care as much about my physique as I do now when I was like competing. It was just like performance, performance. And I just couldn't hear what he had to say about how my performance could change because I it would get from where I was at if I started doing it then and got leaned out. But it would have got skyrocketed up had I leaned out all the way. So he's a great wealth of information as well. This is where I learned a lot of my stuff. Coach Jerry, awesome stuff. Uh, understand, guys, my methodology and what I do and preach with fasting loosely based on what he says and a number of other people and stuff. And I've kind of picked and choose and came up with my own thing. And that's what I kind of guide people, how I guide people through their stuff. Uh, but I didn't want to shout out to him because he basically taught me, gave me the, the foundations of, of this knowledge. Okay. So that's that. Uh, if you guys have any questions on this, please shoot us an email, shoot us a call, code, go to the gym and come in and ask me, let me train you on how to do this personally. Um, and uh, I'd love to help you guys out with this. I think it is a great thing. If you want to try something new, if you've been struggling with weight loss for a long time, uh, at some point I'm going to get up some before and after pictures here so you guys can actually see what sort of results I'm talking about. I did not lose a whole bunch of muscle mass. In fact, real quick, when I was starting to do this weight loss journey to get down to a more normal size, um, I was doing it the old school way of like, four, I was doing my own meal plan and it was great. It got me that weight loss, but I didn't like how things were hardening up the way I wanted to. I just looked, I felt like everything was getting smaller. That's when I switched gears to the fasting. And within a couple of weeks, I started to notice myself still leaning out, but the muscle came back and the weightlifting number came up. I remember missing a front squat at 265 one week because I just wasn't feeling it on one meal plan. And then I did fasting for like two or three weeks and smashed a 325 front squat for an easy rep at like 175 pounds body weight. So there's some, there is, you can get a, uh, a performance benefit from it as well when it's kind of done properly and, and you're paying attention to what you're doing. I don't think it's going to hinder your performance, especially if you're, like I said, a gen top athlete. Probably the biggest point to take away uh, from that actually is that intermittent fasting done properly, again, will not hinder a general population athlete's performance. Okay. And that's all I got today, guys. That's your across the board on fasting today. Um, you got anything else before we run out of this? No, I do not. Nothing really new coming up this month, guys. Thanks for spending some time with me and Coach Elise. Thank you. These were great questions, by the way. I'm glad I got to answer some of these. Um, again, if you guys have some, let us know. And until then, go to the gym. Go to the gym. <laughs>